What happened in the early 80s is there was a huge soft selling revolution. And that was all of the, we call them crooks, whatever it was, con artists, et cetera. And so the pendulum swung the exact opposite and said, you know what? We don't want to be those people. So instead it's make a friend, make a sale, you know, ask people if you can help them, if you can help them be there for them, very soft, right? Well, my whole thing is, well, if you truly have a product or service that's going to serve the world, why are you letting the crooks have the best weapons? Why would you fight the con artist with a stick and they've got a freaking AK-47, you know what I mean? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell, and welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know that I am a big fan of sales, and I have an individual here that's going to be speaking not only about sales, but how to merge mindfulness practices and personal growth ideas to anybody who's in a field of sales, and really how those ideas complement each other and turn you into a warrior when it comes to bringing up your performance sales and doing it in a more ethical way. Jason Forrest is a sales and leadership expert, author, and a speaker. He is the CEO of the Forrest Performance Group, a national sales training company where their mission is to convince everyone that they're enough by redefining training, transforming cultures, and changing lives. His company has been named best place to work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is an NLP master practitioner. He has spoken on stages thousands of times. I mean, I was so impressed by the number of times he speaks in a year and has written six books, the latest one talking about sales during the coronavirus, how it does changes. We might touch on this a little bit, but the main focus today is really about the mindset of a sales warrior. We're going to dive into some of these strategies. What are the things that he is bringing to the table that are often ignored in the field of sales? And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it too. Jason Forrest, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Jason, thanks for having me. Again, I'm a big Mind Valley supporter. I, I've uh, given you my money for, I don't know, probably the last 10, 10 years or so and have the app and frequently go through the courses on a, on a regular basis. So the other day I was interesting. Someone was asking me like, who is Mind Valley? And I said, well, they're like the publishing house for the most leading edge thought leaders on the planet. And so that's how, that's how I describe you. Well, that's an amazing way. And by the way, I didn't pay you to say that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And honestly, this is something Mindvalley has actually done at its core is that it always had a bit of that sales mindset in itself. I mean, Vishen Lakhiani, I think he's, he's himself, whether it's consciously or not, I think he's a great salesperson. I think he is one of those people that is a sales warrior because to be able to push a mission so far, to be able to impact a lot of lives, you need to bring those sales and those, those revenues. But I'd be curious to know, about you, Jason, because you have a major focus in sales. What got you excited about choosing a field in the profession of sales and what got you really into it? Simple story. So I was very fortunate. I was one of the few people out there that grew up in a very sales positive family, right? We talk about, you know, having a, a body positive family. Well, it's a sales positive family. You know, most people don't grow up in that. You know, most people, if you were to ask them, you know, why did you get into sales? It's normally a plan B career versus a plan A. You know, most parents don't encourage their children, you know, after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on private school education to go get a sales job. I mean, it's just not something that's encouraged. Well, I, I was quite the opposite. So my father owns the oldest jewelry store in North Dallas. And so I was always kind of raised in a, in a very sales environment. My mom 
taught public speaking and debate for over 50 years, just retired teaching debate. And then my Sunday school teacher was Zig Ziglar. So I had a, I had this kind of like perfect trifecta of positive sales. So I just, I never knew anything but, but sales and personal development. I was telling you before we got on this call that one of my first programs that I ever listened to was in my dad's car driving on a, on a road trip. And it was a Silva mind control cassette tape. And then when I was introduced to Mind Valley, that was one of the first courses that I went back through was the Silva Mind Control System. I don't think it's called Mind Control anymore. I think you guys are probably, we probably softened the name, but back then it was called the Silva Mind Control System. Yeah, we had to make it, you know, adapted to the culture today. So it's called the Silva Ultramind now. So it's a little more gentle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I find that's amazing. So I like, as I mentioned before the call too, is like, I'm a big fan of sales. I mean, I've written my book that I just finished on sales. And this is one of the biggest things I say to people is like most have that negative idea around sales. Like we have the caricatures around like the Wolf of Wall Street being like super manipulative, the used car salesman. And so there's a lot of that toxicity in sales. And I'd be curious to know in your practice, like you've kind of merge a lot of these personal growth concepts into the world of sales. And I feel like that's not typical. That's not common. I feel like in sales, they're not going to look at, you know, the things that will be like, make the world a better place or, you know, work on these things to make it a win-win. There's a lot of like, make the process, follow the steps, close the deal. doesn't matter. Is that what you've witnessed? And are you seeing a change happening? Well, my angle, you know, it, it all starts from like, what's your kind of presupposition or premise, you know? And my premise is that a salesperson is an athlete and they should be coached and developed like an athlete. And so if you think about, you know, behind every sports team, you've got some sports psychologist. You know, those who are watching the great show Ted Lasso right now in the second episode of the second season, they bring in a, a sports psychologist to help one of the players out. And so the whole idea of sports psychology is very, very well known, obviously with Simone Biles and the kind of mental health thing that was going on with her. And I mean, all that stuff, it's very, it's very prevalent now. Well, it's just not as prevalent on the sales side. And that's really what I'm doing is I, I bring in the most kind of leading edge philosophies and ideas, the stuff that, you know, silver mind control stuff that Mind Valley promotes. But what I do is I read it and I translate it and I apply it to specifically the field of sales. So it's almost like think of me as a, like a sales psychologist, again, just like you would have a sports psychologist removing what I call the leashes the story, self-image, reluctances, and rules that hold people back from doing the process. Because the process is one thing, but it's about executing the process and honestly feeling good about following the process is what really matters. And people don't feel good about it, they're not gonna do it. That's true. And it's the same thing that, you know, in athletes, they need to be in the zone. They need to be on the top of their game where the psychology really plays a big part, like visualize the win, all those things you've heard in the sports theory. But in sales, it's very equivalent. And quite frankly, when I've been in sales, like I've had days where I was sharp, things were working right. Maybe I watched the right motivational video in the morning if I didn't have a sales trainer or manager in place, but I would find ways to kind of pump myself up. But I had times where it was like a roller coaster and the things would be down, you know? And so there was a very big unpredictability to my performance in sales. Is that like a common thing that we face or is that just me? Of course, a very common thing. So again, the big idea and the mindset of a sales warrior all goes around this one formula that I created and it's performance equals knowledge minus leashes. So P equals K minus L. So performance is what we do. Knowledge is what we've been taught to do. And a leash is any resistance, charge, negative belief system that holds us back from executing the knowledge. Now, again, you could take this concept, Jason, and apply it to anything that Mind Valley teaches. 
right? So any course that someone's listening to or watching on Mind Valley, it's obviously going to give them the knowledge on how to be successful or hit some sort of goal in that specific topic. Well, we would think that it should be performance equals knowledge, right? I watch a Mind Valley course and I immediately go execute and it's that's not how, but well the reason is because humans have free will. We're not animals that, you know, don't have free will. So we can choose to decide, hey, am I going to execute this concept or not? Well, the reason we don't is because we've got some sort of story, self-image, reluctance, or rule. So story is, well, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if this idea is going to work, you know, right now because, you know, the coronavirus is going on and, you know, I just think things are different right now. That's a story or self-image. I don't know. I don't feel confident. This doesn't really feel like me. I don't identify with this technique or this philosophy or this idea. And so, yeah, it might work for some, but I don't, I don't think it's going to work for me. I'm just not that kind of person. That's a self-image, which is all psycho-cybernetic stuff, right? And then you've got a reluctance, which is more of a fear. I, you know, I don't want to come across too pushy or, you know, using social media is different. You know, I know a lot of people who, you know, are very afraid of using social media because they feel like there's a, a perception that has to be different on social media versus face-to-face -face or like I'll, I'll send out selfie videos to CEOs of billion dollar companies and people think I'm nuts because they feel like, you know, why would you send a selfie video to a CEO of a billion dollar company? It's, they're different. Well, no, they're, they're a human being. They're just managing a billion dollars, you know, just, they're not, they're not any different. They're the same. Right. And then the last is a rule and a rule is anything I need to see, feel, or hear to give myself permission to engage. And Tony Robbins is the first one that brought me to this idea of a rule. And he talks about the quality of our life is equal to the amount of rules that we have. So for example, think of like a rule of engagement in the military, you know, don't fire until fired upon, right? So for example, if, if I have a tremendous amount of rules when it comes to, I'm going to engage with this prospect. So for example, let's say someone says, I'm not going to follow up with this potential customer until two days have passed, they haven't responded and blah, 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 whatever, right? So there's some sort of like rule of engagement. But we know that the salespeople that have the least amount of rules, they're the most unleashed, are the ones that produce more. Just like we know that concept when it comes to rules is think about like you take two people and you say, okay, give me the list of your rules as it relates to religion and as it relates to health. And the question is, I know that God loves me when the following things happen, and I know that I'm healthy when the following things happen, okay? So the person that has the most rules on when God loves me is the one that has the least quality of life in the area of religion, and same with health. So I just took that concept that I learned from Tony Robbins at a Date with Destiny conference, right? And I go, wow, that is 100% true with salespeople. If salespeople have a tremendous amount of kind of rules of engagement, I know this is a perfect ideal customer when the following things. I know these buying signals are correct. I know they're going to buy for me when the, I'm sure you have salespeople right now, Jason, that tell you, here's my hot buyers. I know when I got higher hot buyers because they're doing the following. Well, that's just an unnecessary arbitrary rule. It would limit you to do some opportunities where you could just say like, hey, if I have extra time, I could follow up earlier and that's fine. And then you're having these rules where it's just like you're creating some, what is it? Putting sticks within your own wheels when you're trying to drive forward. I really love these concepts. And I feel that what's powerful is that when you apply this in the field of sales, the results must be very tangible and measurable. And I'd be curious to know, like, have you done some studies on like what happens when you start poking at these different things and what happens to the results for a sales team? 
dramatic. I mean, we had one salesperson that sells precious metals that went from earning $3,000 a month commission to $13,000 a month commission over an eight week period. Like that's how fast things changed just by dialing in three things. So I always focus on three things in the warrior selling program, which just got listed as number one in the US, which I'm very excited about. And that it's mindset process language, right? So first you have to learn the right process. We teach a 12 step or 12 concept process called the five, four, three, five steps to understand the customer's mission, four steps, to present solutions, three steps, to resolve the sale. That's what I came up with. Number two is language. And that's from the neuro linguistic programming. So it's the most kind of persuasive language patterns to use to tie up the conscious mind of the customer to implant suggestions or questions in the subconscious mind because the subconscious mind always wants to buy. The subconscious mind always is searching for freedom. It's just the conscious mind that holds us back. So it's kind of a hypnotic selling approach. And then number three is what is the, again, leash that holds you back from saying those things, asking those questions, following that process. And again, it's usually a story, self-image, reluctance, or rule. And then we apply the appropriate countermeasure to remove that resistance, that charge that keeps them from doing it. I love it. I also wanted to ask you, since you're talking about here, like a mindset of a sales warrior and with the concepts you're teaching and the way that you get these people unleashed, as a salesperson, you end up holding a lot of power and responsibility, right? Because you now know a language and a process and you have nothing holding you back to being able to, you know, push upon solutions and to be able to get people to take decisions based on what you offer them. And so I'd be curious to know, as a warrior, where do you draw the line within your own ethics? Like you're going to be a salesperson. You First off, do you agree that they come with a lot of power? And if so, you know, where do we start putting our ethics together to make sure that we're doing it with the right way? It's a really great question. So it's like Peter Parker's uncle, you know, Spider-Man with great power takes great responsibility, right? I always tell my kids that, you know, so one of my belief systems is we have three children that are uh, 11, 12, 13. We raise them on the, on superheroes. We think it's a great way to raise the children. So look, here's the thing, right? And this is what's, what's kind of interesting is that let me just say what a warrior is. A warrior is someone who believes so much in the value of what they are representing of what they are selling that they feel like this innate heartfelt calling to promote it to everyone that they meet because they believe if people use their competitor, they're making the biggest mistake of their life. That if people pay less, they get less. If people are really trying to achieve whatever outcome or goal or result that this warrior's product represents or service represents, then it's, they're on a personal mission to let everyone know about that. Like it's, it's honestly most synonymous to an evangelist. I mean, I was actually on the, in a former life when I was a kid, I was actually on like a Billy Graham crusade of all things. And it was really interesting because, you know, you think of these people who, that are just truly passionate about what they believe. And again, remove the charge of, do you agree that this religion is right or wrong? It, it doesn't matter. Cause I mean, now I'm actually more follow more of the unity movement belief systems than I do more of the Baptist belief system, you know? But it's about if I believe this is gonna be beneficial to someone and it's truly going to serve the world and them in a higher way, then it's my perfect right to let them know about it. So Jason, here's what I'll tell everyone. And this is, I'm gonna push the envelope when I say this, and this is pretty interesting to think about. And it's a great philosophical debate. And that is Jason, what is the difference in the process and the language of how Jesus convinced people that he was the way and 
how Bernie Madoff convinced people that he was the way. What is the difference in their process that Jesus followed and that Bernie Madoff followed? And what's the difference in their words that Jesus used and Bernie Madoff used to convince them that they were the way? I'm gonna, that's, that's a really interesting thing that gets me thinking. But the one thing I would say is I feel like the language would probably have been similar. And I would have thought the process would have been that Bernie Madoff had an incentive that basically benefited him versus Jesus ended up being sacrificed through his own actions. And so I don't know if this is really where it takes it, but you basically pulled the next question I wanted to ask because those people who are, call them narcissists, call them highly manipulative, lack of empathy, can speak a language of high conviction. And sometimes it becomes hard to tell. And so I'd be curious to know the answer. You were correct in the sense that my answer is they both follow the same process and the same language. The difference is their intent. Yeah. Because they both said, you know, let me understand your pain that you're trying to get away from and let me understand your mission, your goal, what you're trying to accomplish. Let me truly get in rapport with you. Let me figure that out. Let's make sure I really dial that in and understand your whys of life, what your goals are. Step two, let me present the solution, which happens to be my way, right? Who I am and what I can offer you. And then number three is let me resolve any ambiguity you have on making a decision to act today because I'm not going to follow up with you. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to pester you about this. Are you in or are you out? And both Jesus and Bernie Madoff actually follow that same three-step process of understand, present, and resolve. And they both said at the end, I'm going on to the next person. I don't have time to mess with this. I'm not going to put you in my Rolodex, my CRM, and my tickler system to follow up. Are you in or are you out? The difference is, is that Jesus, you know, if we believe history here, Jesus was there to truly serve them and give them a place of peace and freedom and enlightenment where Bernie Madoff was just trying to steal their money, right? But their process of how they convinced someone and their language style of how they persuaded someone was the exact same. Just one used persuasion and one used manipulation. But that's, Jason, how that's my personal calling. So my personal calling is what happened in the early 80s is there was a huge soft selling revolution. And that was all of the, you know, we said the Wolf of Wall Street, all these different people, we call them crooks, whatever it was, con artists, et cetera. And so the pendulum swung the exact opposite and said, you know what? We don't want to be those people. So instead it's make a friend, make a sale, you know, ask people if you can help them, if you can help them, be there for them. You know, it's, it's very soft, right? Well, my whole thing is, well, you know, if you truly have a product or service that's going to serve the world, why are you letting the crooks have the best weapons? Why would you fight the con artist with a stick and they've got a freaking AK-47? Do you know what I mean? So what I do, right, is I give my team, my company, we give the best tools, the best process, mindset, and language to the people who are serving the world so that they can fight equally to their enemy, which is trying to manipulate, con, destroy, et cetera. Man, you're speaking the same language because you must be familiar with the exercise, the three most important questions, the Mind Valley exercise vision talks a lot about where you set up what are your experiences, the growth and the contributions you want to make. Yes. Have you done? Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I think, I think he actually took us through that in Portugal, I believe, when we were at A-Fest. There's a big chance he did. And 
for me, when I have got hired at Mind Valley, he makes every employee do this, so they get a blueprint to their soul, is what he he expresses. And for me, it was an exercise that was really powerful because in my contributions, what I talked about is get rid of the world that has douchebag and manipulative salespeople and marketers that take advantage of people. Love it. I'm just like you, Jay. To me, it's like the good people need to know the tools that actually convert. And the process of selling is not manipulation, it's empathy. It's the language that needs to be spoken for people to understand the true value you want to bring to them. Which then brings a question, like, are we solving the problems because now like we're leveling the playing field with everybody understanding sales? Or is there more we can do to kind of shift the tides towards being more ethical, even when, you know, quote unquote, people say, oh, I don't like to do pushy sales, but I disagree. Pushy sales are a great sale if you're delivering something of high value. So how do we start tipping the scales into like making more of the ethical types of businesses be more successful? It's a great question. One, I think words have meaning and I'm a big fan of, again, words with being a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming, but it's, it's about, you know, reframing the words, right? So I'm not asking you to be aggressive. I'm asking you to be assertive. So aggressive is I'm going to constantly promote my products and services, even when it's not right for you. And when I, or when I don't know if it's right for you, assertive is I'm only going to promote my products and services when I know it's in your best interest. And I believe it's going to provide higher value to you. So I think it's about making sure that we define that. And then one of my certifications is in what's called accelerated evolution. So I'm also an AE practitioner as well and working on a master practitioner in that. And it's a spiritual technology, which is really cool around, again, removing the charges that hold us back, right? So for example, like, let me take you through an exercise right now that would be pretty cool. It's called a circular. So right now, just think of, think of a potential customer that you truly want to serve. Okay. If you want to give me just their first name or you can give me an alias, Tracy. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So right now, Jason, I want you to touch your, touch your chest bone. Perfect. Okay. And I want you to say, I am now. Tracy, I am not Jason. I am now Tracy. I am not Jason. Perfect. Right now, Tracy, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you questions and I need you to respond as you are seeing the world through Tracy's eyes. Beautiful. Okay. So Tracy right now, tell me a fear that you currently have as it relates to a product or service that Mind Valley could truly help you and serve you. Well, I know that I have a very powerful product to help promote freedom and democratic workplaces. And one of the fears I would have is because if I don't get enough sales or revenue coming in, I won't be able to grow and make the impact that I know this makes into organizations around the world, promoting more democracy, promoting more freedom. Thank you. Tracy, tell me a frustration that you're having with your business where Mind Valley could potentially serve you. Well, I don't know if it's about if Mind Valley could help me, but let's talk about the topic at hand sales because one of the frustrations I have is I've tried working with a lot of agencies. I tried working with a lot of consultants and they're telling me to do things that are just not feeling right with the way I want to do sales for my company because it comes from a place of fear, not from a place of freedom. So it goes against the value I promote, but they're telling me this is what I need to do to sell. And it just makes me feel in a bad place and I can't use the techniques they promote me. So I'm not having success with what they teach me. Thank you. Tell me a potential failure that if this was to continue to manifest and you did not have traction or found a solution on, what would be a potential failure that would cause you in your life? I mean, if the business would go into a negative cash flow situation, then, you know, this would be the end of the company and I'd have to start from scratch. And I definitely wouldn't want to have to lay over the incredible people that work with me. Thank you. Three more questions. Now, looking forward in the future, 
assuming everything works in alignment with your vision, what would be your desire? I wish people would be able to understand very clearly how effective it is when you apply the principles that I teach, how much it helps their businesses grow, and that they'd be willing to pay the price that it takes to be part of my membership platform, to be part of my educational programs, so that we wouldn't need to struggle about the bills and be, we, we would be really focused on coaching and delivering the value that we know we provide for these businesses. Thank you. And what about a dream of yours as it relates to your business? What's your future dream look like? I mean, I would see a whole list of the biggest companies in the world operating by these principles, which means we would have less patriotic type of top-down controlling companies that aren't even sure about the value they provide to the world, but we would have a series of companies that apply democratic principles that make it a great place to work, that everybody's more happy working there and we're creating products and services that really push humanity forward. And that would be in a big part because of the work I've done. Good. And final question. Thank you. And that is, what is your destiny? Well, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the woman that promotes this. I'm writing my book about it. This company is all about it. And people would be able to understand how much it increases their revenues, how much it makes everybody happier. Even the people that are leading become happier by applying these principles of democratic principles that are freedom centered in the workplace. Perfect. And then with, with all of that in mind, Tracy, when you really embody and think about and bring to surface your fear, frustrations, and failures, and your desires, dreams, and destiny as it relates to how you're wanting to serve the world, your product, your company, your service, right now, what advice could you give to Jason on how he can approach you, on what he could say to you, on how he can lead you to resolve anything that's holding you back from taking action about what Jason's trying to promote to you and, and provide for you? I'd want to know that he has a plan to really help me get to the next place. I know that the values that he has when it comes to sales are very aligned with my company, but I want him to present to me the plan that'll get me to where I need to go and that I would have confidence that he'd help me execute it along the way. And then I'd be very happy to work with him. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, now touch your chest bone again and say, I am not Tracy. I'm now Jason. I am not Tracy. I am now Jason. Awesome. And so Jason in talking to you right now, Knowing and seeing the world through Tracy's eyes of her fierce frustrations and failures, desires, dreams, and destiny, knowing that she's asked for you to present a plan for you, what would you say your next action step would be to move towards that helping and serving Tracy? Well, it would be to follow up with her and say like, hey, I've really been waiting to work with you again because this is actually a past client and uh, Tracy Fenton, World Blue is her organization. So we've done some work together, but we haven't in a long time and I haven't followed up in a while. So it'd be a chance to actually follow up and say like, we just talked about you on the podcast and I'd be loving to present a plan for her to actually get back on track to getting some sales numbers go up. And you know, it's very interesting that this example came up because it's someone that I actually did not prioritize selling to. And I had some other people that sold to her and led her in the wrong direction that didn't align to her value. She ended up wasting money. And I felt so bad because at the end of it, she said what I should have done all along was what I had suggested but I wasn't assertive enough when I communicated it at the time. And going through this exercise made me go like, aha, I caught myself. Yeah, well, what a great way, Jason, to increase your motivation level. Because if you think about prior to us talking about Tracy versus post talking about Tracy, taking this exercise, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being I am so motivated, I'm so fired up, I'm gonna call Tracy right now. What score were you before me taking you through this circular and what score are you now when it comes to your motivation level to pick up the phone and call tracing? Not on my radar to now I'm like, Hey, I'm going to add a task and I'm going to make this happen this week. It'll be a lot of fun.
Yeah. And if Tracy feels, if she feels you connected to her over Zoom or over the phone, that you're dialed in around her fears, frustrations, and failures, desire, dreams, and destinies, I feel like we're all con we're all connected, right? And so if she feels this connection, this truth from you, then now you're in rapport with her, and I think she'll truly hear what you have to say. 100%. And what a powerful exercise. Yeah. So that's just one of the one of the many <laughs> we, have, we have again in the book. I mentioned forty two of them, but you know, books are funny, as you know, Jason. Books are almost a historical relic, right? Because as soon as you write the book, it's like this is everything I've been working on up to the book, and now I've got all this new stuff I'm working on. <laughs> so, so like that process I just took you through was not in the book. You lock it in. You always want to update, but at some point you got to say, stop, this is the book. And then the next one's going to be the next book. But what I wanted to say, Jason, is I'm so happy you got us to go through this exercise. And I want to direct it to the listeners for a minute, which is this is a powerful exercise you'll be able to use for yourself whenever you're struggling with closing a certain lead or that you want to maybe even have that conversation with your boss. Maybe your sales process is not about closing that deal, but it's about getting that promotion or understanding what is it that you provide. Maybe it's about getting that job. But again, by stepping into the shoes of the person that you're trying to convince, to persuade, or to be able to communicate with, you make these questions go through, you're going to find yourself so much more well-equipped and so much more better connected when you do get into that conversation. Because I can already imagine whenever I get on that conversation with Tracy, I'm going to be in a much better state than I ever was if I wouldn't have done this exercise. So I'm very grateful you walked us through that. Thank you. And two, th two last things I'll say on that is that they come to mind is number one is if you struggle with answering those questions, that needs to be part of your sales process in the future. You need to start creating questions to figure out what is the person's fears, frustrations, and failures, desires, dreams, and destiny? Because that obviously helps you decide if you can serve them or not. And then the second advice, Jason, I would give you is you need to create an anchor of Tracy. Because what's interesting is I would take Tracy and I would go to her LinkedIn profile, her Facebook, get a picture of her, right? And I would make it your wallpaper on your computer for the next 30 days. And every single time that you are calling and you find yourself having a little bit of hesitation or a little bit of leash on, am I coming across too pushy? Should I make one more follow-up call? Should I, you know, call this person one more time? I want you to picture Tracy and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to let this person in front of me be another Tracy and get manipulated or conned by a lesser price solution that's going to take them off the path. And so I won't let them. So make that kind of your anchor to serve the world. And I think you'll see a, a huge change in your results as well with that. I appreciate that. And yeah, it, it was easy to come up with that answer because she was actually the anchor for me writing my book. Well, there you go. So when I went through the process of writing my book, I had to find her as my target avatar and her story is why I needed to publish this book. Perfect. And I realized that I had let that slip and now it's coming back front to mind. Now that I have some extra steps I can do to make it even more vivid so you can keep that momentum going. I just want to thank you, Jason, for coming on the call and sharing all these amazing insights. This was such a fantastic conversation. And for everybody that's listening in, whether you are in a sales role or you're somebody in your career or you're an entrepreneur, well, if you're an entrepreneur, you know you're doing sales. And if you're within your career, you might not be consciously aware that you're doing sales, but you are, whether it's getting that project approved, getting that promotion, working with other people and rallying them towards your causes. All of those are a factor of sales. And what you've just learned today is a bit more of the ideas from a mindset of a sales warrior. You can remove all these leashes that you might have within the space that actually hold you back from really pushing your envelope, pushing your ideas and really unleashing yourself to the greatest potential that you have. And I think Jason Forrest is a wealth of knowledge. I would want to encourage everybody to pick up a copy of Mindset of a Sales Warrior. We're going to put a link in the show notes so you can go and dive deeper. And Jason, I did want to give you some space for some closing words. 
Yeah, again, I, you know, I'm on a personal mission to bring back the pride, or maybe it never was there, but ignite the pride, purpose, and respect professional selling. And again, it's about giving the good guys the same tools and, and weapons that the con artists have, you know, so they can serve the world. And, and that's really what it's all about. And so, you know, just like I love Jason's calling as well. If, if you have a, a specific, you know, mission that you're on and you're not getting it out to everyone that you meet, then what's the point of having the mission? And so we've got to remove the resistance again, that's holding you back from uh, sharing and spreading that message. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Forrest. Jason, thank you so much again for your time and everybody tuning in, go out and be a warrior. And of course, stay superhuman. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver, where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.